This is Mark Fletcher, and welcome to my world. Welcome to Southern Tales, Tall and Otherwise. In the fraternity, some guys got in because they resembled us. Some guys got in because, well, they were good at sports. Some guys got in because they attracted cute chicks. Some guys got in because they looked good in the frat picture. Some guys got in because we needed the money. Some guys got in because they did not own a bowling ball. And like I say, it's just a Southern thing. Sit back and enjoy. Southern Tales, Season 2, Episode 5. Gary. Gary got in because we'd never seen anyone like him before. Gary was small in stature, red hair, braces, baggy clothes. He didn't seem to fit in in any way. We suspected he was smart, but when we asked why he wanted to join, he replied, because it doesn't rain in here. He was in, and tonight is Gary's night. And while there may be some disputes about the actual facts, this is the way I remember it, and in my opinion, every goddamn word is true. Now, over his first year, we got to realize that Gary was even less than we thought, and I say that in as loving a way as possible. How can you say that lovingly? I'm not sure. Let me think about that. Um, He was simply not a virgin, not only a virgin, he had never been kissed. He didn't cuss, as far as I could tell, and I don't think he knew how. He knew absolutely nothing about sex. Nothing. His mom had not allowed him to attend PG movies, only animated Disney stuff. He did have very good table manners, but he had never had alcohol. We never knew why he joined our fraternity. Now, maybe you figured out that we were not the guys to have the sex talk with Gary. He heard locker room and army talk all around our house, known as the Animal House of Campus. And as I say, it being the early 80s, Literally, Animal House was our Bible. We thought that's how things should be at a fraternity house. We worshipped at their altar. And so, unfortunately, 
This is how Gary learned about sex. Now, obviously, like most college guys, we talked a lot more about sex than we actually were involved with sex. Um, it's just true about guys in general, I think, or certainly it used to be. But eventually, Gary acquired a girlfriend who was just like him in every way. I mean, they looked alike. They were both innocent. They dressed alike. They both had braces. They both were kind of small people with red hair. I mean, they were twins in every way. And because Gary learned about sex at the frat house, he had no idea what the reality of it was. So it wasn't long before peer pressure forced Gary and his education, which he thought was probably the right thing, to go for it in his dorm room with a little red-haired girl. He got her in his room, kissed her lightly on the cheek, and asked if he could perform oral sex on her. Neither one of them knew any better, and so she said yes, and he proceeded. After a brief pause, he came up and said, Would you mind if I washed out my mouth? She replied, Yes, please go ahead. And I think that was the end of their sexual involvement for a while. Uh, bad training. But this leads me to one of the best Gary stories of all time. Uh, it was a year or two later, and Gary was one of the guys. And it was some Saturday night, or I don't remember what night of the week it was. Does it really matter? We were in the middle of Flanagan's. Flanagan's, back in the day, was at the intersection of Winchester and Mount Moriah in Memphis. And it was um, Memphis's premier dance club. There were six of us who had driven out there, and it was getting near midnight. Well, it was, uh, let me just say this, it was five eager young studs and Gary. Now, Jay and Gary had each driven their own cars, and Jay was ready to go back to the house. Mike and Gary were ready to go as well, but Kevin, Dave, and myself were just starting to roll. We thought we might get lucky and we wanted to stay. And Gary, being the kind of team player that he is, knew there was only one thing he could do. Can I trust you guys to make it back with my mom's car? I tried to look trustworthy and genuine. I guess that Gary didn't go for it. No problem, I said. I haven't been drinking that long, and I'm sure we won't stay that long. Let's see. How many lies is that in one sentence? Okay, I'm going home with Jay. See you back at the house. With that, Gary and Jay went back to the fraternity house. As soon as we lost sight of them, we gathered in a small circle amongst the loud music and dancing. Road trip! And we were out the door to jump in his mom's car. I don't think he'd even left the parking lot when Jay left. As we got started, I don't think we had any idea where we were going. It was just a road trip. Remember, it's the Animal House playbook. What do y'all think? Kevin, I, I don't know. How, how about we go down the square? Dave chimed in. No, how often do we get a free ride in somebody else's car? That's right. We got to do something big. Ole Miss? And we jerked out of the parking lot for a convenience store. A case of old Milwaukee and we were flying down the highway. Lucky for us that Kevin had a bag and some papers. I was driving with Dave beside me in the front. Kevin was in the back rolling papers and keeping a beer in our hands. Maybe a backup beer as well. And most times, I was driving with one hand, a beer in the other, and a backup beer between my legs. Dave would take the community joint and ease it in my mouth for every third toke. 
A couple times the car was so full of smoke we could barely see the road. 1.30 in the morning we were flying down Highway 6 about 10 miles outside of Oxford. I had finished another old Milwaukee and I reached back to hand it to Kevin so he could put it in the bag. I had no idea that he had laid down and his knees were up in the air. He didn't grab the bottle, so I moved my arm around until it hit something. Kevin, barely conscious, was startled when something hit his knee. He jumped and jerked his knee. I jumped and turned my head to see what had happened. The car jumped. When I turned around, we were sliding down the side of the median on the inside embankment sideways about 70 miles an hour. There was nothing to do but ride. Suddenly, a huge jolt and a crash, and we were turned back around straight and stopped. And we were messed up in more ways than one. Standing on the side of the road, early Sunday morning, no cars in sight. Our car had hit a light pole just behind the driver's side rear tire. It virtually sheared off the trunk. (laughs) The bumper was gone. I mean, it was really bad. And if we'd hit the pole a couple feet up towards the driver's side, we might not be here to tell the story. But we never considered that. I only had one thought. By the time we get to Oxford, everything's going to be closed now for sure. Will this thing even move? Dave was the most sober one. And what if the cops find us? Kevin was slowly figuring out our situation. Let's see. And I got back in, started her up, and it would move, but not without some of the loudest clumpity, clump, clump, jabang, clumpity, clump that you've ever heard. So I guess we're not going to make it to the Tri-Delta house? We better get this shit home before somebody sees us. And we proceeded to drive back to Memphis somewhere between 20 and 30 miles an hour. A long night was getting longer. As we pulled back into the fraternity house... We saw Jay's car. We had no idea what we were going to tell Gary. We were just going to go in and spill guts, I guess. As he walked in the house, only Bob Bijo was there. I said, Bob, where's Gary? Oh, uh, he, uh, like I said, uh, he went to steak and egg with Shane and some other guys. So we had time. Suddenly, Kevin had a good point. Listen, guys, Gary is so straight that if we tell him the truth, he will tell his parents and he will never get to leave the house again. Should we lie? Hmm. Very interesting question. Um, Very, very interesting question. So, it really wasn't much of a decision. I mean, the truth just wasn't going to work because it was going to hurt Gary. So we justified it amongst ourselves that by telling him the truth would cause him to tell the truth to his parents and we would never see him again and he would probably never leave the house again. Just then, we saw headlights pull into the back of the fraternity house. It was the guys. They got out of the car and we watched from the back window as they all walked right past Gary's mom's car. They got about 10 feet past it and suddenly, Gary stopped. He hadn't recognized his own car, but now something clicked. He slowly walked back and stared at at the back of the car that no longer resembled his mom's Oldsmobile 88. He turned and slowly walked into the back door of the house where the other guys had scrammed and it was only me. 
okay, what happened? I want the absolute truth. You know you can trust me. Out with it. Well, uh, Gary, um, you know, we partied inside Flanagan's like for another couple of hours. I mean, we had a big time. It was so much going on and gosh dang, it was crazy. And we wanted to wait for a while until we sobered up too, you know, so we didn't want to drive your mom's car. But anyway, they were closing it down and uh, we, we went out of the parking lot. And by this time, most of the cars had already left. And there, all alone, sat your mom's car. Just like this. Someone had crashed into it. I mean, Gary didn't look like he was buying it. I mean, I I don't know. I guess some drunk went flying through the parking lot and and crushed your car. They didn't leave a note or anything. Is that all? Well, um, you know, we were pretty messed up and we really couldn't call the cops. I mean, hey, it was a private lot anyway. I know for a fact he didn't believe a word. I mean, he was a lot smarter than I'd ever given him credit for. He knew I was lying. But anyway, he got in his mom's car and drove out of the parking lot at the frat house, clump, 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 all the way back over to the dorm parking lot. In the dorm, he found a little bit of red taillight glass still intact, and he pulled it out of the back of his car and crushed it on the ground with a hammer. And then it busted, and he spread the little pieces all around the back of his car. He walked into his dorm and went to sleep. The next morning, he woke up and called campus security. They came over and filled out a hit-and-run accident report in the dorm parking lot. Gary called his mom, and everything was good. He later told me that he found 22 beer bottles in the car. Good thing he got them out before his mom got there. How could y'all drink 22 beers between here and Flanagan's? You do not want to know. He never let us use his car again. For the liner notes this episode and all episodes of the Southern Tales podcast, please go to broadneckmusic.com where you'll find out more about the episode. You can also find more about our kick-ass theme music from Audra Brown, one of Memphis's best young songwriters. You can also contact me at stalespodcast at gmail.com. You can ask questions, hey, or you can tell me your stories, and eventually your stories can get on Southern Tales podcast. Once again, Thanks for listening, and please tell a friend about the fun we're having. See you next week on Southern Tales, 20 Minutes and a Smile. Smile.